My name is Arif Katra, and I'm the host of Voices Worth Listening To. This is a podcast dedicated to sharing stories about diversity, stories that I hope will make you think and reflect on how we experience each other's differences. My goal is to encourage change in our individual perspectives and in the ways in which we live and work together. Let's get started. COVID-19 has changed the way we live our lives and how we spend our time. I've spent an inordinate amount of time in the last few months clearing out old boxes and working through the clutter in the storage room. A few days ago, I found my report cards from grade school. And I don't mind saying that I was a smart kid. I even found more than a few that had some straight A's. It was interesting to me how more than 40 years later, that made me feel so good. I also noticed some of the comments my teachers had left on my report card. And there was a pattern in those comments, except from two teachers, my grade three teacher, Mrs. Spilling, and my grade five teacher, Mrs. Loader. I'm going to read you some of the comments that I found a lot of my teachers making. Arif is a chatterbox. He needs to control how much he talks in class. Arif has too many opinions. Arif needs to keep his thoughts to himself. Arif is too active during class discussions. Arif has a hard time focusing on the task at hand. Mrs. Spilling and Mrs. Loader were the only teachers who said I was not only bright, but also very expressive. They didn't see me as a chatterbox. They said, when encouraged, RF has great insights and a huge willingness to engage. But for me, I spend and have always spent a lot more time on the negative comments about me than the positive ones. It's a habit. I read the negative comments over and over again. And they hurt my feelings a little. But mostly, they were very instructive. Because they provided me with an answer to a set of questions I've had about myself for some time. Over years of introspection, I've often asked myself, why does it take me so much effort to say what I think? Why do I shy away from calling out wrong, even when I see it happen in front of me? You know, in my heart of hearts, I believe what I have to say matters, but I struggle to share. This podcast is the perfect example. It's been almost two years that I've wanted to do this, and yet I have doubted that anyone would find what I have to say to be valuable. Why? Well, despite the good efforts of Mrs. Loader and Mrs. Spilling, by the end of grade six, my voice was well on its way to being silenced. In late October, two months into grade six, I changed schools. I really wanted to go to French immersion, but I was late, very late. The principal from my home school, Charles H. Hulse, spoke to the principal at Fielding Drive. 
and I was allowed to make the transition. I was super excited. It was a lot of change. I had to take public transportation, as Fielding was outside my catchment area. Everyone in my new grade six class already spoke French. I struggled. But within six weeks, I too was bilingual. And it made me really happy. And then came my first report card. Arif should have made the transition more easily. Arif has too many opinions during class discussion. Arif struggles to agree with the teacher. Not one mentioned that within six weeks, Arif became bilingual and managed a pretty strong report card. When you're a kid of immigrant parents for whom a teacher is like a god, comments like these get you in a great deal of trouble at home. Your parents encourage you to put your head down and work harder. You don't need to talk so much at school. You can share all you want with us at home. At school, head down. By the time I started high school, I knew that my personal silence is more valued than my opinions. My voice is best expressed in silence. During high school, I never ate lunch at the cafeteria. I ate lunch outside or in the hallway on my own. I joined the library club, which in hindsight may have contributed to my pariah status. But when I got called a packy or a fag or someone hurled the N-word at me, I stayed silent. I didn't stand up for myself. I didn't use my voice. And this taunting wasn't occasional. It was every day. And yet, I remained quiet. But what was happening to me was not happening in a bubble. It happened in front of my schoolmates and my teachers. And we all remained silent. The school system in Canada did an excellent job of attempting to silence my voice. But the problem with voices is that they're not meant to be silenced. Voices are what allow us to create civil society. Voices are what allow us to create successful organizations. Voices are what allow us to create effective government. The problem, of course, with all of these things is that we have broken governments, broken civil societies, and broken organizations. And maybe the reason so many of the institutions on which we rely are so broken is because they expend a lot of effort silencing voices. I'm not an activist. I never have been. I'm a pragmatist. I know that many of us have experienced that since the murder of George Floyd, diversity has resurged as a topic worth paying attention to. Universities are launching anti-racism initiatives in an attempt to give voice to minorities as though it is the first time they're thinking about racism. 
elite Canadian university programs in business, medicine, and law are pushing to recruit Black students as though the decades of classes with no Black students whatsoever was simply an oversight. Companies are changing their product names because they want to listen to the voices of their consumers, as though no one has ever expressed their dismay in the use of Aunt Jemima or Uncle Ben's. Sports teams are apologizing for not giving voice to minority players, as though they didn't realize they were actively silencing the voices of the majority of their players. Empathy from the dominant races and classes seems to be at an all-time high. And I believe that people are genuinely trying to fix wrongs. But those initiatives will not bring about real change. The only way to foster change is to actively create room for different voices not only on committees that operate on the sidelines, but at the leadership and managerial table. I've had the opportunity to work in, lead, and study organizations my entire life. And I would be lying if I said I was always careful to create room for different voices. So it was important to me that my first podcast be about voices, because I don't think we take the time to create room for the softer voices among us. We don't take time to create room for minority voices. And since most of us live and exist in some form of organizational context, I don't think our systems are structured to listen to those voices. Voices can be used to tell a story. Voices can be used to incite change. Voices can be used to stand up for someone. Voices can be used to give voice to those whose views and needs regularly go unnoticed. Voices can be used to empower. But it would be remiss to ignore that voices have and continue to be used to suppress, overpower, and annihilate. This podcast is about bringing the voices of people's lived experiences to the forefront. I will use storytelling and reflection to help you and I both think and reflect on how we experience each other's differences. I also hope to end each session with questions and thoughts that I hope will inspire you to forward change. Here goes. Organizations, both formal and informal, are the contexts in which most of us live our lives. When you think about your place of work, your kids' hockey team, or the organization in which you volunteer your time, What are the formal mechanisms within those contexts that someone has carefully put into place to ensure all voices are heard? Are there mechanisms that have carefully been put into place to ensure all voices are heard? 
I've worked for for-profit firms, nonprofits, and academic institutions around the world. I also volunteer a great deal of time in my own faith community. And if I were being totally honest, I don't think most of the organizations I've worked for or volunteered for put mechanisms in place where people can express their voice in a context that is safe and without reproach. In fact, when I think of all of my places of work in Canada and the U.S., the senior management team has never had a person of color on that team. I have never reported to a member of the LGBTQ community. In fact, almost every senior manager I've reported to was born into privilege. And so, as a person of color and many other wonderful differences, I've never had the sense that the people on the management team to whom I am expressing my ideas or my concerns ever really understood my lived experience. So, I have pretty much spent my entire career voicing my concerns to senior managers who weren't like me, who didn't have a lived experience that was similar to mine. Now, that doesn't mean that my voice was never heard. In fact, I've worked with many highly empathetic senior managers. Many of them have become my close friends. But I've also encountered as many senior managers who could not empathize with my voice, who struggled to value my opinions, and to whom my voice was foreign. So whether I got hurt or not, well, that was a crapshoot. So I think if leaders spent some time thinking about the mechanisms by which they listen to the voices in their organization, they may realize that they need to create new mechanisms. So let me ask you, what are the mechanisms in your organization that ensure people are heard? Your organization isn't just the place you work. It's your kid's hockey team. It's the place where you volunteer time. It's any organizational context in which you live. What is the access route between well-thought-out, intelligent minority voices and the senior management team in your company? Is there enough diversity in terms of lived experience among your leadership teams at the top or in the middle of your organization? Now, you're going to think I'm asking this because better representation will result in minority voices being heard. That's part of it. The other part of it is that when people call you the N-word, or also in my case, a camel jockey, it shapes your voice to see the world differently, to value life differently. And that is not something that can be achieved simply through empathy. Voices that are the result of lived experience need to be present in leadership. I hope as you think about these questions, you will begin to also think about driving change. I hope you'll join me for my second podcast in a few weeks. And I especially hope that today, the time spent listening 
to this podcast made you feel that this was a voice worth listening to. If you would like more information about my work in diversity and strategy, please visit my website at www.strat-ology.com. That's S-T-R-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y dot com. The music in this podcast is from the Toronto Tabla Ensemble. To find out more, visit torontotabla.com. That's the word Toronto and the word tabla, T-A-B-L-A dot com. Thank you.